Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for joining me today. Today I've got a really interesting guest. I've got Dr. Gayla Gorman. She's a licensed acupuncturist and naturopath and an author who offers practical advice and programs to reverse health issues resulting from chronic stress, which unfortunately I think we've all touched on. She helps women relieve their symptoms, restore their energy, and reclaim their superwoman status. Dr. Gayla advocates for getting to the root cause of the health issue and treating it naturally. She encourages patients to be their own health advocate or their primary care person. Dr. Gorman, thank you so much for being with me today. Lee, thanks for having me. I look forward to chatting with you today. Well, I, you know, I have thought since I went through some medical issues with my mom, I learned that I had to be the health advocate. I could not just depend upon what the doctor said. And it was it was a hard lesson to learn. But once I learned it and I saw how advantageous it was, it has really helped me with my own health. Sure. Yeah, it's um People, I think, have been conditioned to think that they just need to trust that their doctor is going to tell them what to do, and and as long as they do it, all will be well. <laughs> and um, and many many people are finding out now that that's just not good enough. And um, and doctors are incredibly busy and um and are just trying to move people through the system a kind of broken system and um and so people really need to be prepared and um and do a little bit of their own poking around and then if you end up with a doctor who is not comfortable answering your questions and working with a patient who wants to be involved in the process then i suggest you may need to look for a different doctor because um, you very much do need to be involved in your own health care and decisions. Well, and we're living so much longer now than we used to. And now the major causes of death are from chronic disease. Everything has shifted and we recognize the role that stress. People have always recognized the role that stress will play on their physical health, but not their mental health. And my biggest concern is stress is what it's doing to your brain. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I um, had a new patient recently, and normally I work with older, more mature women. And this young lady was referred to me by another one of my patients. And, um, and she was bullied as a teenager and really had... Um, uh, traumatic um, reaction to it uh, her when when young people and their immature brain are faced with um, traumatic situations the way a, a person's brain copes with that when they don't have a fully developed frontal lobe is different than a person who's an adult that can kind of like 
you know, sort things out. And so, um, so it was really a great reminder. And I say great reminder with um, my heart a little heavy, because we hate to be reminded of something in this way. But how um, stress, emotional stress can really create um, severe health issues. This young lady was medicated um, to deal with her um, her anxiety and depression, and um, and then that created a cascade of other issues that she has to deal with. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, whether you're, you know, regardless of your age, um, it's just really important to um, take stress seriously. One of the um, things studies that I refer to in my um, presentation is a study that showed the correlation between um, people who have supported a loved one going through dementia um, and the sort of level of stress and the health effects that that caused them just being the caregiver support person for a loved one going through something. So, um, so it's very, very serious. And, and as you pointed out, when you were introducing me, we have all been touched by stress, um, stress beyond just the normal, what I refer to as garden variety stress, stress that is, um, is most likely toxic. Well, and I think, you know, that's, I guess, what your book is all about. The title of the book is What's Your Kryptonite? Manage the Toxic Stressors Threatening Your Superwoman Status. And when we talk about how we have to become our own primary care person, you know, the hard part is, is that means we have to be self-aware of the stress that we're feeling. Exactly. (laughs) And, um, you know, uh, what what happens typically again we've been conditioned from honestly a very early age that when we have some symptom pop up we look for something to soothe that symptom right and typically it's a pain reliever of some sort and that is shows up in many shapes and sizes and so um you know the most common thing would be some sort of you know, pain reliever like Tylenol or Advil, but it could be caffeine, it could be sugar, it could be, um, you know, antacid. Um, there's just a lot of different ways that shows up. Um, but I encourage people to look at symptoms as clues rather than something that they're trying to whack into submission as soon as possible because that symptom holds a lot of value. It, it, if you follow that symptom, you will get to the root cause of the problem. So what are some of the mistakes that women make when they're managing their health symptoms? Well, symptom suppression is how I refer to it. And so um, if you are tired in the morning, and you um, medicate 
being tired with caffeine rather than saying, well, I'm really tired. I need to go easy on myself this morning and my nervous system. Um, you are medicating that with caffeine. And now basically you've used caffeine to get through your day. And then when you're trying to go to sleep, you're so wired that you can't go to sleep. And now you've got restless sleep. So now you're trying to take some sleep medication or even melatonin to, um, to try to, you know, force your body to wind down and then you're having restless sleep and you're not, um, your body's not able to do rest and repair. And so the cycle continues and it doesn't take very long of, um, having restless sleep and a um, nervous system that's constantly on overdrive to start seeing, um, symptoms escalate. So let's talk a little bit about your book. What's your okay. kryptonite? I love the title. So thank you. What is your kryptonite? So kryptonite shows up in many different forms. It's unique to every individual. Um, when you think of kryptonite from the super world, Superman, Superwoman, um, kryptonite is just this green crystal that for mere humans didn't bother them, but for Superman, Superwoman, it drained their energy, right? So a lot of times they didn't even see the kryptonite. They didn't, the only way they knew it was there was that they felt their energy draining and they were aware enough to recognize that feeling and to say, whoa, there's got to be kryptonite somewhere close by and I've got to find it and get rid of it because you know, I'm going to not be any good to anybody if we don't get this kryptonite out of my um, sphere. And so, um, so kryptonite in our individual world works similar. A lot of times it is individual. You know, there are times when we know we ate something that's not good for us or we overdrank or we had too many cups of coffee or energy drinks or, you know, um, you know, there are a lot of different things that we do that we kind of know they're not good for us, but we do it anyway. But then there's a lot of things that are toxic that we can't see, we don't really fully understand, or we have really no control over. They just are part of our environment. And maybe that one thing as a standalone tox toxic, um, thing or situation would not be enough to be kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. But when you pile it on top of, you know, the um, camel whose back is already starting to sway, it's like the one thing that just sends him to the ground, right? And so, um, so kryptonite is the challenge. That is the challenge is to figure out what your kryptonite is. And um, and to not um, assume that it's going to be one size fits all and that if you, you know, find something on the Internet and that says this is everyone's kryptonite and you say, well, that doesn't really bother me. So that must not, you know, that's not my thing. Then don't think you need to just stop looking. <laughs> you just haven't found what your thing is. 
if you if you are experiencing symptoms and you're having issues i mean i'm yet to find somebody who's just 100% managing everything and 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 having no issues at all and in part because i'm a healthcare practitioner and so i don't see very many people who don't come to me with some issue that they'd like help with but also just because we live in a very toxic world and um and toxins are literally everywhere and they're unavoidable and so you have to manage them and figure out the things that are really um causing a problem for you well and i i'm in the same environment that you are at the brain performance center we work with people that that do have some issues you know some anxiousness or some depression or some adhd or some ocd that so they do have issues they're trying to manage and it can be difficult, but what I have really started to notice is so much of our quote, to use your term, kryptonite, lies in our lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. 100%. And especially with um, your population, you know, dealing with the brain specifically, our brain runs off of these happy brain chemicals and to to a great degree, right? Um, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and um, endorphins. And those um, happy brain chemicals are produced in a number of ways. And, um, and our lifestyle can either support the production of them or make it nearly impossible to produce them. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, the results that are um, the result of not having enough happy brain chemicals, it doesn't, it's not, shouldn't be surprising if you don't feel great, you know, don't feel great mentally, emotionally, or physically. And usually, you know, they all, if if you don't feel good mentally, you're going to feel it in your body. The body keeps score of everything going on in the brain and, you know, it's that, that autonomic nervous system. Once it gets out of whack, then you start riding that roller coaster, that fight, flight or freeze. And right. it's it's hard. It's hard to say, whoa, slow down. Let me off. Let me figure out what I need to do for myself. And when you look at when people come and they're in that unhealthy state, what is the first step that you take? Well, the first thing that we, um, I use a, a biofield scanning system to evaluate where their energy, energetic disturbances are. So, but that's, you know, unique to my specific way of practicing. But if I'm dealing with somebody from more of a um, general standpoint, I want them to start noticing how they're suppressing symptoms. Um, and in what ways are they um, trying to kind of kick the can down the road? Because as you start um, sort of backing off with that symptom suppression, what you'll find often, especially if you've been doing it for years, is that, you know, you suppressed one symptom and this other symptom, you didn't really connect the dots, but internally the dots were connected. So now you have this 
second symptom, which you've now suppressed in another way, whether that is natural remedy, medication, however you're doing it, right? And so as you start, as you decide that you're going to back off on suppressing the symptoms, you've sort of got to unravel that now. And, um, and it, you know, depending on how long you've been doing it and how much is going on there, it could take a little while to kind of weed back through all of that. But, um, but that's the key, really. The key is to, um, to stop suppressing symptoms and to start um, uh, really taking the symptoms seriously and determining what's really causing the symptom. Every symptom is being caused by something. And the, um, the body the human body is miraculous and it has dealt with whatever this issue is until it can't deal with it anymore. So by the time you experience a symptom, that problem has been around for quite a while and your body just dealt with it and you didn't know it was going on. Um, you might've had just subtle kind of clues, but not enough where it really got your attention and then when it gets to the point where it's kind of overwhelmed, maybe you've piled on some additional stressors or, um, or something like that, it gets to the point where it can't handle it, and now the symptom pops out. And instead of going, oh, wow, that symptom is a sign that I've got some toxic stress building up that I need to reverse, we say, oh, this symptom is totally unwanted, bad symptom. I'm going to take something to shove that symptom back um, into my body. And, um, and so you can imagine, if you think about that, what that's going to do long term. Oh, absolutely. So is detoxification a part of your process? It is, but I'm very careful with um, detoxing because um, I want to design a detox system that is specifically targeted for what your body, two things, for what your body has not been able to deal with and that it can handle currently. So, so, um, so there's a lot of like generic detoxing processes that you might find um, online or um, in your research. And, um, and for people who have really mild situations to deal with, um, that might work fine. But for somebody who's got a fairly complex situation or chronic longer term issues, um, that can be really um, a problematic because as you detox, you're mobilizing the toxins, meaning your body stored these, this toxicity as safely as it could. Think of like our nuclear waste, right? We put it on train and we take it out into the middle of the desert. We dig a really deep hole and we cover it up and we hope that it'll be okay until it, um, you know, kind of winds itself down, right? And so um, the body similarly has taken this waste that it can't process, it can't eliminate, and it's just stored it somewhere. Well, we've got to mobilize that in order to get move it out. The only way to move it out is through your bowels 
your urine, your skin, respiration potentially. And so, um, so we have to mobilize it and we've got to make sure that the pathways of elimination are um, able to deal with that. And um, we've got to do it in a, in a, um, at a speed <laughs> that your body can handle. Um, and that's going to, again, be different for everybody. Well, and I, I really like that in your message because I have found everybody's brain is so unique and so different. Even working with three generations in the same family, it's, it's everybody's health is their own story. It's their own journey. And that's what I think we really have to help people to appreciate that. So is it, is there any easy way to manage the toxic stressors that you found? So the easiest thing to do is to not pile it on, but you've got to kind of know what you can handle, like what's causing stress for you. So I'll use food sensitivities as an example, because that's something most people can relate to, right? So um, some people don't have a problem with dairy. Most of my patients do, but some people don't. And so if you've got a problem with dairy and you've been consuming dairy, because you don't know you've got a problem with dairy, typically you have had symptoms that are related to your issues with dairy, but you have suppressed them somehow. Um, but if you identify that you've got a an issue with dairy, you know, I find that I can take patients off of dairy for a week or two and they'll like lose 10 pounds without even doing much else, you know, just because the toxicity from the dairy is um, not leaving much resources for their body to do the other repair work that it needs to do. You've got to also realize that your body doesn't know the difference between, well, you know this, but your audience may not. Um, your body doesn't know the difference between whether you're being chased by a lion or you just ate dairy and it totally fired up your immune system or, um, or you're planning a wedding and you are trying to pick the exact right flower arrangement and, um, and you're stumped, you know, for your body, all of those are stressful situations. And certainly some are more extreme than others, but they all trigger the fight, flight, freeze response, which basically takes your immune system offline, shuts down your digestion, like all kinds of things that we really need to be in optimal health are not good as a result of stress. So, um, so, you know, picking the flowers for a, for your wedding, um, you know, keep things in perspective. Don't get too stressed out about it. What's the big deal? You know, pick one that you will know you probably will like and move on, right? Like choose your battles, essentially. If you're running from a lion, it truly is life or death. Give it your best shot, right? <laughs> and worry about your adrenal glands later, right? Um, but if you can, if you know you're sensitive to dairy and you can eliminate the dairy and that's one toxic stressor less that your body has to deal with, then that's what we need to do. Anything we can eliminate, we need to eliminate. 
And where do you start? I mean, do you start with, to me, you start with your sleep. Anything that is disrupting your sleep is the first thing that needs to change. And so many people have, you know, I can't get on a sleep schedule. Why not? Well, and they have uh, many of, of reasons that are good to them. But for me, it starts with sleep. Where, where does it start for you? So um, sleep is non-negotiable. It's when your body does all of its rest and repair work. And people will tell me that their biorhythms are different or, you know, some other story that they've told themselves. And the truth is that we are hardwired in our just rhythm that our body works in to sleep between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. Now, you can give it an extra hour either direction on that clock. You can, you know, have a little wiggle room there, but um, but you're, you're, you should be shut down for sleep at 11 p.m. And so if that's not happening, you are missing out on hours of the really deep, restful, repair work sleep. And, and so, you know, when somebody says that they can't prioritize sleep or they won't, you know, adjust their schedule or they have to keep scrolling till 3 a.m., then there's only so much you can do, right? Um, because it's at a certain point, You've got to be willing to do the, you know, to make the lifestyle adjustments that need to be made in order to make it happen. It's funny because my husband is a psychotherapist and um, he will have people that come in to him um, and say, you know, I'm having all these issues with what we refer to professionally as emotional regulation and so my husband will ask them about their sleep and they say, oh, you know, basically the I'll sleep when I'm dead story, like I got too much to do and I'm lucky if I get three hours of sleep a night, right? And so um, my husband tells me, he said, well, you know, I can't do, help you much until you prioritize sleep. And so why don't you go home and really figure out how you're going to get a good like seven hours of sleep every night and then come back and we'll see how that goes. Right. And so they come back a week or two later and they've prioritized sleep and they come back and they say, well, everything's so much better. I really don't need to keep coming to see you, you know, <laughs> and that's the, that's the best solution. You know, we do not need an annuity patient, right? We are happy when the patients are so well that they don't need to see us all the time, right? So, um, so you know, there's a few things you can do. One is certainly prioritizing sleep. And, um, and also I recommend um, time-restricted eating, um, which also will help your sleep, and that is not eating late at night. You know, like really try to shrink that window of time when you're eating um, as and have your final meal as early as possible. I mean, there have been studies that have proven that even ending your eating window as early as like 3 or 4 p.m. produces amazing results 
even if you don't change your diet one stitch. But, um, but if you, um, but if you can at least, you know, close that eating window by six ish or so along with some dietary improvements that will, that will improve most every area of your life, including sleeping, making sleeping easier. Well, that's some really good practical advice. And those are things that I honestly, I did not know that eating around four or five would, would be that much healthier for me. And that's something that I'll, I'll stop and think about as I, as I become my own PCP, you know? Very good. Yeah. And I think that we've got about three minutes left. And if you had one or two takeaways for our listeners, what would they be? And then if you can share with our listeners where they can find your book and where they can find you on social media, that would be great. Sure. So um, just I think the biggest takeaway is just how important it is to recognize as stress starts to escalate and reverse course before um, dis-ease escalates to disease. Once you've got some major crisis diagnosis, then, you know, everything in your world will change. If you can catch it early enough, you it's still manageable and you can still maintain a lifestyle, you know, that you love, you know, a full and fulfilling life that you love. If you wait for it to escalate, that may not be possible for you. Um, and then to find me, I'm, I have, my website is drgala.com. So it's just D-R-G-A-L-A.com. At the bottom of my website, the homepage, are the little links to all the social channels. So whichever social channel you frequent, you can, I'm sure, find me there. And then on your way down the page, you will see a link to buy my book on Amazon. And also at the bottom of the page, there's a little form to sign up for my newsletter. I send a newsletter out most Sundays and um, just with some kind of latest and greatest things I'm thinking about or research I came across, that sort of thing. Well, thank you so much. And I hope our listeners will take advantage and will visit that website because sometimes those weekly just reminders, oh, I've got to be my own PCP can help yeah. us pay attention to what we what we need to. Thank you, Dr. Gayla, for being with me I today. Really, yeah, appreciate um, you taking the time to talk with me, Lee. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Brain Performance Center.com.